0: Dear listener,
1: this is an important announcement. Please note that we at The Thinking Behind It All provide our commentary and analysis fully cognizant of the fact that the global community, its peoples and their thoughts, beliefs and feelings are diverse. In this tapestry of ideas, races, cultures, genders, sexes, sciences, spiritualities, religions and politics, there are inevitably and perpetually competing interests. This is the world or worlds we find ourselves in and we accept it we ask of you to bear all of this in mind as you listen to the podcast we are simply expressing our individual and or collective views as we navigate and attempt to make meaning of a planet whose inhabitants have different realities and truths therefore though we analyze and commentate unreservedly remember that what is said is our opinion and facts based on our research and perspectives we do not claim to speak for and or on behalf of any person group entity or nation it is your prerogative to make whatever inferences and conclusions based on your listener experience
0: now please relax and enjoy the podcast
2: dear siskosi it's been years since you passed but i wish to let you know that we all think of you fondly and with a pang of sadness amongst your many great qualities we definitely miss your wisdom vibrancy, and jolly good-naturedness. So much has happened in this crazy world in the last few years. I often wonder out loud what you would be thinking and saying about all these events. Most recently, the world has been hit by a virus. You would recall the SARS virus of yesteryear. The cause of this disease is related to those viruses. But this time around, the entire world was brought to a standstill. Imagine that. There's so much uncertainty in society. What was true yesterday is not so today.
3: I want to be clear. Nobody will be forced to take this vaccine. I want to repeat, nobody will be forced to take this vaccine. Nobody will be forbidden from traveling to wherever they want to travel to, including from enrolling at school or from taking part in any public activity if they have not been vaccinated. These people have no integrity.
0: Can my boss force me to get vaccinated? Who has the authority to enact vaccine mandates? Who can ask about my vaccination status? These are some of the questions society has been grappling with as we've begun to open up after months in relative
2: lockdown amid a global pandemic. And in some places, the fights are heating up. If they're not being manipulative.
4: We want to share a Virginia man's story of battling COVID. His decision to post videos documenting his COVID-19 treatment has slowly turned into a tragic confessional. Travis Campbell could die. Because he avoided the vaccine,
2: they are simply being confusing.
4: Biden's own staff
2: members apparently don't know what the official stance is supposed to be. First, the White House deputy press secretary says that lockdowns are out of the question, and soon thereafter, Biden completely contradicts her. We have the tools in our tool belt to
5: fight this 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 variant, to fight this vaccine, and we we are not
2: we are not going to head towards a lockdown. That And it's mostly because they're politicizing everything. Take Florida. Just recently, it reported a record-breaking 21,000 new daily cases. The state literally accounts for about a fifth of all new cases in the US. But nevertheless, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, continues to refuse imposing restrictions to prevent the spread of the disease. I was thinking the other day how you introduced me to the term treatment literacy. As part of your mandate and bravery as an activist, medical biologist and a mother to us and many other people. You canvassed communities because you wanted to inform communities on HIV and AIDS as well as the use of ARVs. How ironic is it that the establishment physically abused you and your comrades for wanting treatment for the most vulnerable in society. But you kept at it. You wrote books for public education efforts with the belief that people must be convinced through knowledge and should be free to ask any questions to satisfy their concerns. Nowadays, we are being told that we are asking stupid questions in relation to our health. Some commentator on The Conversation, an online publication, was arrogant enough to imply that prolonged education drives in relation to taking vaccines was a waste of time. I won't lie. As morbid as it sounds, maybe you who have departed are better off. We are ruled by intolerant autocrats who are drunk on power. You think at least the president would have a consistent approach to the whole thing, but no. Besides needing a teleprompter to remind him what his opinion even is, Biden can't seem to stick to a single stance on anything, be it masks, vaccines, or lockdowns. As president, you said if you were fully vaccinated. You no longer need to wear a mask. And it seems like you know, I have to say you're fully vaccinated
6: in an area where we do not have well, let me clarify. In May, you made it sound like well,
7: a
4: vaccine was a ticket
7: to
2: losing the mask forever. And that it-
7: that is
4: true at the time.
2: Fortunately the team and I have a platform where we can ventilate these kind of issues as well as others. Hopefully, we won't be censored by the powers that be. Anyway, in accordance with our traditional beliefs, may we please remain dear to you and may God protect us during these turbulent times. With love, your son, Melusi.
6: thinking behind it all.
2: What's up, fam? Welcome to TTBA, the thinking behind it all. This is the people's podcast where we decode and break down media texts, looking for hidden messages and underlining meanings. What is meant by the words, images and sounds that the author used? Who is the ideal viewer? How do you feel as the resistant reader? This is what we do and more as we analyze news stories that made headlines on mainstream media, alternative media, as well as social media. As we do this, we will be making reference to political ideas. This is an attempt to contextualize and understand how we are positioned as consumers of news. More importantly, once we have the insight and know-how we can become more responsible in our sharing of news. Add to that, we will be better informed activists in our spaces. On the front pages with your host Malusi Ngala. The world's divisions are so entrenched that it is not only commonplace, but acceptable that people are racially polarized, there are warring debates amongst genders and it feels like the irreconcilable political differences are bound to end up in some seismic event. Matters have become so strained that we have normalized living in echo chambers and being vehemently opposed to reading, viewing and listening to different media. We have become like those 90s and 2000s teenagers who walk around with walkmans and mp3s playing loud music and oblivious to the people around them. In fact, if someone tried to get your attention, you'd snap, what? And afterwards, you would shrug, I don't care, and leave me alone. I don't want to hear it at this point in time. This is despite the importance of the subject. At this point in time, Matters have become so ridiculous that some of us are just waiting to see when divisions will be based on how many limbs you have. Scratch that. Trans ableism is already a thing too. Maybe we can fight about whether you breathe with your left nostril or your right nostril. I wonder who the establishment would support in that precursor for World War 3 after George Floyd Can we assume that they will at least support those who can breathe or will it be about whether they can gain political mileage? My bad, my bad. But this shit is crazy y'all. Look at what's happening with this whole COVID-19 situation. The fight is on and it is very real. The glaring divisions are between those who are pro-vaccines and those who are apparently anti-vaccines. I say apparently because being on the fence or seeking knowledge counts for nothing nowadays. Did you vaccinate? Mainstream media has introduced and are banding about the term vaccine hesitancy. But journalists and commentators alike are quick to use the term in conjunction or to replace it with anti-vaxxers as they say. So just to recap briefly, towards the end of 2019, an outbreak of the virus known as the coronavirus or COVID-19, which is part of the SARS group of viruses was identified. Here are some of the early media reports as told by CNN.
8: A SARS-like virus which has infected hundreds in China has now reached the United States. Airports around the world are stepping up health screenings on passengers arriving from Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the outbreak. Now, nine people have died in China. At least 470 there are infected. And there are fears the coronavirus will spread during the busy lunar new year travel period. Besides, the US cases have also been reported in South Korea, Japan, and in Thailand. The virus was first identified at a Market in the city of Wuhan last month, which was selling seafood and live animals.
2: The World Health Organization would, in early 2020, identify the virus and state
4: the following. WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock and we're deeply concerned, both by the alarming levels of spread and severity, and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be
2: characterized as a pandemic. Then many governments across the globe started to implement lockdown measurements to curb the spread of the virus. Some had an easier job of this than others. South Africa's lockdown was not a biggie because it was a matter of playing Do like I do, I do, I do. And I want to begin by reminding you why the
7: UK has been taking the approach that we have. Without a huge national effort to halt the growth of this virus, there will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. And as we've seen elsewhere in other countries that also have fantastic healthcare systems, That is the moment of real danger. To put it simply, if too many people become seriously unwell at one time, the NHS will be unable to handle it, meaning more people are likely to die, not just from coronavirus, but from other illnesses as well. So it's vital to slow the spread of the disease, because that is the way we reduce the number of people needing hospital treatment at any one time, so we can protect the NHS's ability to cope and save more lives. And that's why we've been asking people to stay at home during this pandemic. And though huge numbers are complying, and I thank you all, the time has now come for us all to do more. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple
3: instruction. You must stay at home. Our analysis of the progress of the epidemic informs us that we need to urgently and dramatically escalate our response. The next few days are crucial. Without decisive action, the number of people infected will rapidly increase from a few hundred to tens of thousands and within a few weeks to hundreds of thousands. This is extremely dangerous for a population like ours which has a large number of people with suppressed immunity because of HIV and TB and high levels of poverty and malnutrition. We have learned a great deal from the experience of other countries. Those countries that have acted swiftly and dramatically have been far more effective in controlling the spread of the disease as a consequence the national coronavirus command council has decided to enforce a nationwide lockdown for 21 days with effect from midnight on thursday the 26th of march that was master
2: boris johnson and colony governor Siro Ramaphosa or Uncle Rams as they say in social media streets. And oh, the game that I'm referencing is a folklore one that kids in South African townships play. Well, I doubt that it's still as popular nowadays. And anyway, the game is essentially about a group of kids imitating the actions of a leader. It's similar to Simon Says, but this one has a bit of vibe. Do like I do, I do, I do. Moving on, as lockdowns extended, populations became more restless and the economic hardships, especially in the poorest nations, worsened. In the midst of this, word came out that a vaccine was in the works and it was to be made available in a matter of months. But politics would not allow mainstream media to give these claims much credence. Because Mr. called himself, you are fake news, was the one making the bold claims. Let's hear how the most, if not only, credible news source, CNN, covered the events back then.
4: We're looking for a full vaccine for everyone that wants to get it. Not everybody's going to want to get it.
8: Here, but
4: we're looking know? at a full vaccine. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, we'll... Please. Yes. So the answer is the answer is yes, we're working for a fully approved vaccine, but we'll also use the tools we have, for instance, emergency use authorization um, as as appropriate. We use all of our regulatory tools to bring vaccine available for the entire American population by January. We all want this to be true, right? This would be amazing. It would feel like a miracle. Is it is it possible?
2: Well, I think that that is the point. I mean, we we all want this. This makes this an incredibly, uh, I think, tough story to cover in in some ways. And I'm so curious to see what Peter Hotez thinks, obviously, because he works on these vaccines. But this doesn't fit with any timeline that we've ever heard before with regard to vaccines. Uh, You know, typically you're talking about many years, not many months with something like this. Soon after, in a series of media interviews, the current President of the United States And his Vice President, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, alongside other politicians and commentators, would say the following.
4: If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before
3: the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for
4: all of us. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. Is the vaccine safe? Uh, frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion. And I wouldn't recommend to New Yorkers based on the federal government's opinion. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. Would you trust that vaccine? There's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth.
5: We cannot take for granted this process
4: will be free of political influence. I don't trust the president and I don't trust the FDA.
2: But former President Trump, at least to the run-up to the 2020 elections said during a presidential debate that I
4: think it has a good chance, there are two companies, I think, within a matter of weeks and it will be distributed very quickly. Can you
8: tell us which companies?
4: Uh, Johnson & Johnson is doing very well, Moderna is doing very well, Pfizer is doing very well and we have numerous others, then we also
2: have others that we're working on very closely with other countries, in particular Europe. Biden remains
4: skeptical. This is the same fellow who told you this is going to end by Easter last time. This is the same fellow who told you that, don't worry, we're going to end this by the summer. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter. And he has no clear plan and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year.
2: In present day, we find ourselves in sixes and sevens. Some are rushing to get the vaccines, whilst others are unwilling. With regards to the latter, RT News reported that huge protests broke out. We've seen uh, these protests across Western Europe, particularly in France and Italy and here in Germany, as well as people are unhappy with Covid restrictions that are being put in place and particularly when it comes to uh, requirements or potential requirements for what's being called the EU Green Digital Pass, a, a digital vaccine certificate, if you will. Now those demonstrations across Western Europe, they turn nasty at times over the weekend. We
0: are civilians. We just want our basic rights back, and they are the ones armed who are taking action against peaceful civilians. The Geneva Convention was passed in 1949, and they are negating it.
2: I am here to defend freedom of speech because Emmanuel Macron is trying to stifle any kind of public speech into a pseudo-privilege called the sanitary pass, which is in fact a way to control people. Not on the same magnitude, but enough to warrant some media attention. A few groups in South Africa protested too. Here is the South African Broadcasting Corporation's coverage of the event.
8: They say they want their constitutional right to freedom of association respected. They've decried what they say is information censorship against voices that do not accept the dominant narrative on COVID-19 and vaccines. The marchers say they are part of a worldwide movement protesting for the same cause. None of them wore masks and they have not been vaccinated. They say they don't believe the numbers of COVID deaths reported by governments throughout the world. They claim the coronavirus testing protocols are wrong for infectious diseases the pcr
3: test figures are wrong we have got a huge amount of people with tb in this country 150 people were dying of tb every single day before COVID. nobody started wearing masks because of that if you have a testing protocol that's not accurate and then you have people going into hospital who've maybe got tb but are being wrongly tested to say they've got COVID and then put on a ventilator it could kill them but
2: as the resistance to take vaccines grows so too is the mainstream media's efforts to push for compliance in as far as people taking vaccines the new york times informed its readers in a headline that health officials warn people not to treat covid 19 with a drug meant for livestock they cite serious incidents of hospitalizations and health risks of using the drug of course in the article there is no reference to vaccines that have had similar outcomes also there is no reference to ongoing scientific inquiries that seek to ascertain whether ivermectin can be used for medical treatments in relation to humans meanwhile south african-based publication the daily maverick published an opinion piece under the title Can government constitutionally require that everyone be vaccinated against COVID-19? You guessed right, of course it can. After all, why would they run the piece if the establishment didn't have a trick or two up its sleeve? The best part of the article is its fair reference to other occasions when there were vaccine rollouts. But of course, it doesn't deal with the fact that those vaccines were quite different from the mRNA vaccines that we find in present day which are predominantly approved for emergency use ENCA was quite happy about pressure being placed on employees.
5: The CEO of Rhino Africa Safaris has implemented a compulsory vaccination policy for his staff. He says the choice is very simple. Either you are for vaccination or against it. And in a recent letter to his staff, David Ryan said while he respects the freedom of choice when it comes to vaccination, there's simply no place at his company for anyone that isn't prepared to adhere to to the simple gesture of humanity.
2: It gets better.
5: David, I mean, you're not infringing upon the right to bodily integrity here.
2: If that made you feel a little bit otherwise, then the following statement from CNN should make you feel at ease.
8: If you're fully vaccinated, you have an extraordinarily
4: small chance of being hospitalized or dying from COVID. We're talking about more than
8: 99.999% of fully vaccinated Americans surviving thanks to the vaccine. Are you
2: still hard-headed? Well. You must be one of those followers of Dr. Mike Hansen, one of those vloggers who is apparently a medical professional. In one of his blogs relating to the administering of a vaccine, he recounts the following
4: story. Cassidy Curl, a 39-year-old single mom. Her family describes her as healthy, happy, and having more energy than most. She had no known health problems unless you count trigeminal neuralgia. She took Botox for that. She also took birth control. She worked as a surgical tech for local plastic surgeons. She gets the Moderna COVID vaccine. Her first shot goes without incident, other than a sore arm. Second dose, not so much. She gets her second shot on February 1st, which is a Monday. Later that evening, she has a sore arm, nausea, and fever. That's not unheard of after someone gets the vaccine. Some people get a sore arm, fatigue, body aches, slight fever, and chills, especially after the second shot and especially in younger people. Now, when this happens, people can take Tylenol or ibuprofen, no big deal, right? Unless they take too much. She did take Tylenol, AKA acetaminophen, but we don't know how much. She felt a little better the next day But by Wednesday, she's not able to pee despite drinking lots of fluids. She says it's the worst she ever felt. Thursday morning, 6 a.m., she tells her parents she needs to go to the hospital. In the ER, she immediately starts throwing up. Blood tests come back and doctors say she was very, very sick and her liver was not functioning. According to the vlogging doctor, it was after
2: her organ failure that she passed. Did you vaccinate? But hey at least her case is unlike that of patricio elizondo who doctor said he was fortunate or rather it could have been worse after he passed being fully vaccinated yep the man could have been dead dead who wants that now anyway it would appear that media houses that are not exactly part of the global hegemony are willing to venture a little bit into murky waters. Well, murky if you're pro-vaxxer. Listen to what Al Jazeera had to say.
8: It thought it had vaccinated its way out of the pandemic, but now Israel is in the midst of its fourth wave, with the number of daily new infections steadily rising to more than 6,000 now, a six month high. Here is Sky
2: News with more worrying news.
4: Scientists stress that more research is required, but early findings from Public Health England suggest that vaccines might not be effective in reducing the transmissibility of the Delta variant of coronavirus.
2: But you see, there is a big problem. Though heavily slanted, In its presentation, The Economist says, a vaccine is the world's best hope of
8: overcoming the COVID-19 pandemic.
4: More than 20 vaccines are in development globally.
8: But as scientists move closer to success, possible breakthrough in the development of a coronavirus vaccine, there's a problem. A growing number of people say they won't
0: take a vaccine. I don't want
1: to inject anything like this into my body.
0: This is linked to declining trust in scientific experts and political leaders.
3: Problems brought into even sharper focus by the pandemic.
4: I call covid
3: And fueled by a spiralling infodemic.
2: So, dear listener, this will be the story that we will be looking at in this edition of TTBIA, the thinking behind it all. Please remember that you can follow us on Twitter at TTBIA underscore or find us on Facebook. Look for the thinking behind it all. Also, please consider making a small contribution that will assist us in producing the show. To do this, you can go to PayPal our username is at ttbia. Coming up next is the lister with the stars. This will be followed by our opinion segment, which will be then followed by in the archives with JB. ISE will come in with beneath the headlines. And I shall return at the end with some post analysis analysis and commentary. The stars with Naledi.
1: It's your girl Naledi aka Ledster. You know the vibes. You know how the people in the entertainment industry have some drama and your girl's gonna keep you updated on some of the latest tea about some of your favorite celebrities. So you can think a little bit more about who you follow. Let's talk about a story that caught many Amma piano fans including myself off guard. The tragic passing of Sakile Lhachwayo, known as Kilagao, Mongezi Sturman, known as Mpura Mpura, DJ Khanya and DJ Tando. For those who don't know, Ama Piano is a popular genre of music in South Africa, played mostly by South African youth. It's a hybrid of deep house and high-pitched jazzy sounding piano notes. Many celebrities such as Ricky Rick, Lady Doo, Nadia Nakai, and Prince KB paid tribute to the late artist saying, our last text messages are what breaks me. My brother left me. We fought like siblings. We loved each other like siblings. We had so much to do, says Lady Doo. And Ricky Rick says, It's hard to have faith when we lose the best ones like this. My heart is broken, boy. I'm sorry my dog. Love you so much. Fans were quick to call out DJ Lady Doo for not respecting the family's privacy because she was one of the first people to take to social media to express her heartbreak about the deaths of Killagao and Umbura. She had to address this issue on an Instagram Live.
0: I think a lot of people need to understand that <laughs> we are not celebrities when we lose our brothers.
3: So coming.
0: What's this? National tears? We are not celebrities when we are in
1: pain
6: did you vaccinate
1: all the artists involved in the car accident were young and their careers had just started to take off which left many fans friends and family wondering why did this happen and how did this happen according to the police the group was involved in a car accident while traveling to a concert in rustenburg on the 7th of august The artists were driving under their influence. I want to remind you that they have millions of fans, some being between the ages of 14 and 20 years old. This is proved by various dance challenges and events participated in by people in those age groups. What examples are the artists of today setting for my generation? A problematic one known as Ama2000.
6: Did you vaccinate?
1: Ama 2000 are the trendsetters. This is the generation born after the year 2000. It is such a terrible thing to see young black men with a lot of potential getting caught up in the lifestyle, which not only cost them their lives, but the innocent life of Sansa Mohumi. Mr. Mohumi was on his way home from work when the artist's car collided with his. Many people have not mentioned his name because he's not a celebrity, but he was a father, brother, and friend who lost his life to the carelessness of others. DJ KB was one of the first celebs to talk about Mr. Mahumi. He retweeted a tweet about Mr. Mahumi under the hashtag Rest in peace, saying I'm sorry. He then had a lot to say about the passing of the artist, saying in his opinion, death is not always a situation of what's meant to happen will happen, but rather certain things can be anticipated and prevented. He added that you influence your destiny in many ways. A Twitter user called out DJKB in the comment section for being insensitive. He responded by saying he has been called worse names before. Now, a lot of people thought that he didn't know how to read the room as many are mourning the death of the Amma Piano stars. I think that the truth is not always a nice thing to hear, especially during tough times, but people need to look at the facts instead of saying it's God's will. Although many were upset at his words, others praised DJ KB for speaking out on the situation and agreed with his statement on prevention. One Twitter user said, Prince KB is basically saying consequences are more important than decisions. Prior to decisions, you need to think of the consequences that come with it. Y'all are just hurt at the timing, but if he doesn't say it now, then when? Truth is insensitive to those who don't want to listen. I completely agree with this statement, and the ongoing global pandemic has put things into perspective for a lot of people, especially when it comes to your loved ones and how short life is. It is very important that when we support these fellow artists, that we think about if we're also supporting their lifestyles, morals, principles, and values. So to go back to what I said in the beginning, think a little bit more about who you follow.
6: What's the word? with our guest speaker.
1: My name is
8: Nziki Mazwai. I'm an artist and an activist. I'm a deep lover of Africa and all things African culture and African spirituality and African intelligence. I'm a poet and a writer. Uh, I write as a form of expression and a form of communication to human beings. I'm from the spoken word insurrection that happened in the early 2000s, that's where my journey started. I'm one of the poets in the forefront of making South African poetry mainstream. I use my poetry also in music. I'm known to have pioneered the mixing of poetry and house music in South Africa. So I've got a blog on my website where I engage things that are happening in South Africa. Recently I was um, unpacking the Phoenix Massacre. I use my writing to unpack social issues and to engage young people.
2: Thank you for joining us on The Thinking Behind It All. Ziggy. do you place any importance on ideas such as freedom, human rights, and social justice?
8: I think that freedom, social justice are exactly the stuff that life is supposed to be made out of. I think everybody's got the right to be free and to, to express themselves freely and how they see fit, as long as it's not harmful to other people. I believe that we are diverse and therefore we're not going to see things the same. And I believe in the tolerance of differing opinions. I believe in differences. Sometimes people like to say things like, Oh, I'm not racist. I don't see color. And I'm like, no, I do see color. I see color and I can appreciate what each color brings to the table. I have the right to be true to myself and to say the things I wanna say and do the things I wanna do nicely in this world because that's why we're on the earth for, to come and enjoy and to learn ourselves and to express ourselves.
2: What are the main social issues that stand out for you in South Africa and in the global community? Did you vaccinate?
8: The land reform issue is gonna always be problematic for us because we have got overcrowding in townships and then we've got white families living on a hundred hectares by themselves. So I think that creates a lot of tension, not only spiritually, but physically, you know, where you've got one group who's irritable and ready to pop anytime. And then it creates an insecurity for the other group because you can't sit comfortably in your hundred hectares, knowing that there's a threat that the blacks are going to come in. So for me, once we sort out of the land reform issues and have a more equal distribution of land, I think that a lot of the racial tension will go down. And in South Africa, it's toxic masculinity and the high rate of GBV. I do think that there's something very wrong with how we're raising men because the men they turn out to be are not worthy partners.
5: Shots fired.
8: When you look at especially black women in South Africa, you see them flourishing, achieving. You see them being go-getters, but you can also see that their counterparts are not on the same level. Their counterparts are getting drunk. Their counterparts are sleeping around. Their counterparts are beating them up. Their counterparts are raping them, whereas the women are raising the children. For me, I just feel like black men have got a lot of internal work to do i think a lot of them need to go to therapy i think there should be a group national therapy session that needs to go for the south african black man especially in terms of how he relates to women
2: what do you attribute that abuse by black men towards the female counterparts
8: the, the thing we usually blame is oppression and apartheid and the black man doesn't have a space. He feels emasculated at work. But for me, I'm like, no, but you're not even showing any initiative. Nobody even said you had to go work for someone. You don't even have the initiative to think, okay, what can I do? Okay. What hassle can I do? So I don't know. I feel like that's a bit of an excuse. I just feel like black men are toxic. And it could come from the bastardization of our culture with colonialism coming in. Perhaps that's where it stems from, but I think it's important to acknowledge that our black men are definitely sick and they're not on the level that black women are on.
2: On the global front, what stands out for you in terms of social issues?
8: For me, it's the white supremacy issues. For an example, let's say Netflix. Most of the content on Netflix is white which means that the globe hasn't created a platform for Black people and for Black people to express themselves freely. So the only Black content you're going to have is Black content that dumbs you down. You're going to have Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, Black women who are not saying anything, both z who don't stand for anything because we don't actually have real Black role models who are proud of their culture, proud of their own people who don't have to... Uh, succumb to whiteness
2: i'm hearing a jay-z fan right now saying but jay-z is at the forefront of black lives matter at least he was five six years ago
8: uh, black lives matter is not what it seems guys it's one of those movements where the white people hijacked it so jay-z and beyonce's voices were not there in the beginning their voices come in when it's safe to do so when there's permission from their handlers to be like, okay, this is woke. And now this is how we're going to manipulate the market and make them make you appear conscious and give you a certain image. But if Jay-Z was a woke person, we would have known way before. We would have always known, especially since he's a rapper. When you're a rapper, usually we know what you stand for from your raps. And I'm sorry, but um, i got 99 problems and a chick ain't one. is me! It's not... Conscious or social issues related Jay-Z is just some jiggy guy Who was the chosen black
2: Who likes flossing Hit
8: me! Mm.
2: (laughs) In relation to the social issues that you've just outlined How do you see them playing out politically? If at all
8: The whole stage is stale Because what has happened also related to that toxic south african male masculinity is that now we've got the bottom of the barrel men fighting for leadership and there's no females at all that have been given the platform despite the fact that it's women in the forefront of change all the time it's women talking the loudest i mean even with me and my twitter account i speak a whole lot more than the men that you hail i speak a whole lot more sense I have more ideas. <laughs> like, I'm above them.
2: Mm-hmm. So, politically, you see a division between powerful women and men that you characterize as toxic.
8: Yeah, yeah. I think that we've held toxic men. We have helped them oppress the powerful women. So, because of our culture, where A woman can't have opinions or talk too much. We're like, I have sex when I shut up, shut up. "Who, Who said, how dare she speak, you know? So I think that we aid our mediocre black leaders in oppressing our real black leadership, which could very likely be female.
2: Now, do you have a preferred type of media?
8: You know, I really enjoyed the time of social media. I think that it has benefited, especially me, a lot. Um, because I've always been a rebel and always been anti-establishment and always book in my mind, the media used to kind of have a field day with dragging my brand before social media. So they would control the narrative as Ziki's so bitter and Zikis like this only because I was saying things that were unpopular. So with the advent of social media, people no longer needed to rely on times live on who Nziggy is. So Time's Live would be like, oh, Nziki is being bitter again. And then people would come to my social media and be like, oh, Time's Live is calling Nziki bitter because she's calling out the race issues, you know? So it's nice for me because now I'm getting to interact directly with the people that I'm speaking to and speaking for and whatever the mainstream media says, I can counter and I can completely ignore all. I mean, there even times now, when they're trying to get interviews from me. And I'm just like, no, you're not not worthy of my voice.
2: So big ups to us, thank you. (laughs) In terms of what you read or view or listen to, how do you decide what type of media to engage with?
8: Based on how you are positioning my brand on your platforms. I'm not a stupid person, I'm watching, I'm reading papers all the time. I'm always on the board, I'm awake. I look and I read. And then I see my name and I'm like, oh, is it Times Life? Oh, is it City Press? So the next time City Press calls, I go, oh, no, thank you.
2: How would you describe the coverage of COVID 19 and related issues by various media? Did you vaccinate?
8: It's very biased, which is why it's problematic. I think that when something is true, then everybody gets to comment on it and have their opinions, and things can differ. But once we're in a situation where certain messages aren't allowed to come out and certain messages are being stifled, and other messages are being shoved down our throats, then it makes me very nervous. In any debate, even in parliament, when they argue passing of bills, you have both sides. So how is it normal that we're only hearing one side? How is it normal that there's this one thing that affects billions of people?
2: Is there something that you would like to see more or less of in relation to the coverage of COVID-19?
8: I would like to see more involvement of traditional African healers. The answer coming from overseas and vaccines from overseas. When overseas, they're also human beings just like us. I have a problem with that because it means that we've put them on a higher pedestal and only they can, can come with solutions. And this is a virus that came now. We are all new to it. So there's no one who can claim to know it better.
2: But traditional medicines are not scientific, they would say.
8: Are you aware that all medicine is based on traditional medicine? So when you just go traditional medicine, you're just going to the source straight. Instead of going through the part where they put in a chemical, they put it in a lab and they put packaging on it. You're paying for marketing. I'm going straight to the source.
2: In this era of misinformation and disinformation, can you tell us about the importance of consulting a variety of credible sources?
8: There's not one solution to one thing. There are a hundred ways to skin a cat. So there is no reason why we only listen to one person. So for now to just have it from one corner is uh, holding us back.
2: What is your outlook on these social issues that we've just discussed?
8: I think we're just living in an era that's a bit unpredictable and unstable. And I think the point is just to, just stay in your little corner and protect your energy until this era passes.
2: How do you preserve your sanity though, if you feel overwhelmed by what's happening in your world?
8: You turn off the media and you listen to your heart.
2: How do you stay informed?
8: There's many ways to stay informed. I don't listen to much mainstream media, but by just being on social media, I know exactly what's going on in the world. So i rather listen to people on the ground who are experiencing than the people who are getting press releases to tell them what to say to us.
2: What are your wishes for the people who can relate to the struggles that we highlighted in this discussion?
8: Basically, we just need to find each other. We are more alike than different, and we can relate to each other. You'd be surprised at how the media can all say one thing, but deep down in our hearts, we all believe something else. Cause there's a lot of fear mongering around um, today. I, I want us to move away from the fear, you know, even the fear of death. Why are we afraid of death? We need to unpack that, you know, um, because everybody dies. All our loved ones who have died, they've gone there. So we're also going there. So why should people on earth, have the power to threaten us and scare us about dying when it's a natural process of life. Um, so for me, it's more about focusing on living and being positive. Like you have to you have to consciously look after yourself. Self, self.
6: In the
4: archives with JB. If their goal is uh, integration, it's not a worthwhile one. But if their goal is freedom, justice, and equality, then that's a worthwhile goal. If integration is going to give the black people in America complete freedom, complete justice, and complete equality, then it's a worthwhile goal.
6: Yo, producer, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up.
3: Yo, JB.
5: Yo. What's up? Hell nada.
2: So now that you're doing your segment, I thought it would be cool to honor a true war cry. Do you know any Zulu war cries?
1: Oh, yeah, you
5: know it.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see how you respond to Zulu war cries. Hey, I see a Okay, take two. (laughs) Niaba (laughs) sabana. Hey,
5: asiba sabi.
2: She funa. Yeah, excuse her. She's just an American. The only thing they know to say is smoke them out and get them running. Let's go back to regular programming.
5: It's JB here in the archives of people's stories. After all, that's what history is. It's my story. It's your story. It's our story. And when I think of it like that, it makes learning a whole lot easier. Because sometimes all this information from so many sources gets a little intimidating. As anyone who knows me well can attest, I ask questions constantly.
6: Did you vaccinate?
5: and I'm pretty picky about the answers I receive, too. As I dig through these archives with you, I hope to share my questions, some of the answers I find, and most importantly, I hope this little journey will leave you with questions of your own. This time, in light of recent acts of protests in South Africa, Europe and elsewhere, I thought it might be good for us to take a look at protests. What exactly is a protest? Google tells me that the Oxford English Dictionary is the most respected dictionary. And since the media loves Google, it must be so. We'll use that one to look up the definition of protest. To say or do something to show that you disagree with something or think that it is bad, especially publicly. Wow the English art of making a statement without actually saying anything at all. Sorry, Brits. Maybe it's best to just ask, what are some of the reasons people protest? What drives them to do so? Though it doesn't say so in the definition above, one thing comes to light as I search article after article for the things that people have and still are protesting about. They all seem to be connected to political, governmental, religious motivations. Something against the system which has them ensnared. A thing which seems to go against their cultural or moral fiber. Something they feel needs to change in order for a people to live their best and equal life. So let's see. Starting in the 1970s and continuing today, Take Back the Night supporters around the world march against violence against women. The Singing Revolution from 1987 to 1991, hundreds of thousands of Estonians gathered publicly to sing forbidden patriotic songs and share protest speeches, risking their lives to proclaim their desire for independence. They were successful as well. There's the Berlin Wall protest 1989, that one's pretty memorable. Then in the months leading up to the war in Iraq, March 2003, millions of protesters around the world gathered for anti-war protests. At least a million of them gathered in London to form what is believed to be the biggest protest in UK history. Tiananmen Square, June 1989, at least a million protesters, mostly students, were peacefully protesting democratic reform when the Chinese government rolled in tanks and killed hundreds. I used to think of the word protest as a nonviolent demonstration or group of people who, in one form or another, make their dissatisfaction known in hopes of getting enough attention to bring about change. That said, We can see from just the small list we've so far mentioned that protesters are not all seen as peaceful social justice advocates. Some are labeled insurrectionists, looters, anarchists, even terrorists. During this research, I was particularly drawn to how protests were characterized by journalists, political analysts, government officials and social commentators. Wherever I looked, I found conflict in the narratives expressed by those with differing agendas. I have only time here to mention one example, but I think it's a valuable one. Soweto, South Africa, June 16th, 1976. High school students protested for better education, specifically the right to be taught in English rather than Afrikaans. Police fired tear gas and live bullets into the marching crowd, killing innocent people and igniting what is known as the Soweto Uprising, arguably the bloodiest episode of riots between police and protesters since the 1960s. This is contested by pro-black groups, most notably Black First, Land First, Andile Glitama, an activist and scholar, that the Soweto Uprising has been misrepresented. The narrative of 1976 has been taken over by ANC interests. He contends that students, namely the youth of Soweto in 1976, were fighting for black liberation. Hence, they used slogans like Black Power. This is contrary to what the ANC is saying with regard to the struggle being purely about students receiving better education. The whole thing was about black liberation and black power. Mainstream media will also have us believe that it was just a handful of students who were killed. Mitama says that over 600 young people were killed by the apartheid government back then. Finally, and most important, the ANC presents a version that does not credit a member of the Black Consciousness Movement, C.H.C. Mashinini, as one of the leaders of those protests. To my thinking, this means that it is likely all too common that protests can be politically hijacked by a simple misrepresentation of history. The fact that there are constitutional rights and laws governing protesting doesn't always mean that those will serve the interest of the oppressed group. In America, a peaceful protest is considered to be a protest in which we are unobstructive. Therefore, it stops being peaceful if you block traffic.
6: Did you vaccinate?
5: But how can you highlight a problem or get people's attention if you don't do something that disrupts their comfortable existence? In South Africa, officially, you need to get permission from the government and specifically the police in order to protest. So, what happens if they don't agree that your cause is worth protesting or that you haven't met the proper criteria? Can you just put your cause on hold to dispute such matters? For a protest to be successful, timing is key. What about those who don't have the education or emotional and mental stamina to jump through government-designed hoops? Does this mean their cause is automatically illegitimate? And what of language barriers? Social barriers, disabilities, anything that prevents someone putting their cause into a properly recognized format. When such people fail to fit in our tidy government boxes, how is it that the individual is to blame rather than an ill designed system which leaves us no other options? When we see a situation in a different light, those little aha moments, we grow. We cultivate compassion and understanding for things outside our own existence. And most importantly, we protect our ability to make up our own minds. Until our next time in the archives, remember, the story is as much in the wording as it is in the words. Words. Words.
2: Beneath the Headlines with Ice Alrighty, I am back with the legendary ISE. We're about to break down this text for y'all. What are we looking at today, Ice? Today we're looking at an independent media
0: online article by Kulumango Mahamba. It reads, Prominent doctor in hot water over problematic anti-vaccine remarks.
2: So the good doctor, Susan Forslow, was in trouble.
0: Definitely, man. Um, she came under the eye of the media for her remarks towards the vaccine.
2: What are the prominent ideas emanating from
0: this article? So there are three major ideas that that truly stood out for me. Um, and the first being there's this pro-vaccine stance that's postured in the article. Secondly, is the discrediting anti-vax claims and lastly it's this idea of instilling fear and danger in the public now with regards to the first one this pro vaccine stance i think that's best captured by the hospital manager as he cites and uses stats, numbers of patients that were treated in their hospital. And this causes this idea that there's a serious need for vaccination. With regards to discrediting anti-vax claim, right? um, Here I'm particularly drawn to the use of language the journalist uses to discredit this doctor's claims, right? Whenever she refers to the doctor, the journalist associates her with words such as controversial, problematic, or claims what this postures the doctor as is as if the doctor does not even know what she's talking about and it makes her seem as if she's very conspiratorial lastly with this idea of instilling fear and danger right I think it's best encapsulated in the headline when you look at the term hot water it's a figurative expression right that signifies that someone is in huge trouble now being a reader like I am you think that if an important prominent person like a doctor would be in trouble for her sentiments, one of the ordinary person who's not even a medical expert. The fear is best encapsulated here when the manager of the hospital cites that they've been treating more than 100,000 patients and 50,000 alone in the hospital. And this is indicative of the fact that people must be fearful of what's going on with regards to the
2: pandemic and how it's being treated. Now, Ice, this doctor has been captured making the remarks that are labeled as anti-vaccine on video. Is there a correlation between the article and the video?
0: Well, Malusi, there are a few discrepancies here. I mean, she does make an effort in quoting the doctor verbatim. However, she inserts certain quotes that I felt miss the real message by the doctor in the video. The quotes that she selected specifically here that I'm drawn to, firstly, is this idea of the pandemic as we have it, has been predominantly mismanaged not by non-knowledgeable people, but by politicians, bureaucrats, and academics. This makes the doctor look conspiratorial. And the type of quotes that the journalist has used here also seem to posture the, the doctor as hysterical and as a bit of a lunatic. Secondly, I'm drawn to this quote that the composition of the vaccine is largely confidential. It's like a trade secret, and it's not possible to share it with anyone like the spice mixture of kfc but this is a treatment it's invasive for any person receiving it so what the doctor here is insinuating is that people must have full knowledge prior to their medical consent to them receiving the vaccine the vaccine
5: is rolled out in a very um, mandatory way there's no transparency there's a lot of undue pressure on society to comply with this
6: did you vaccinate
5: this is totally in breach of any legal requirement where one is obliged to get free and proper informed consent from anybody that's being
0: vaccinated the journalist has omitted that the big pharmaceutical companies that make the vaccines are always cloaked in controversy and one of these companies has not proved that they were actually ethical in making the vaccine. I think this was also lazy by the journalist as she could actually prove that these companies that the doctor was speaking about are indeed ethical and could be trusted by the public. Lastly, it's this notion that we don't actually know the context the doctor was making these comments. Was she questioning? Did she raise concerns? Or was it just normal commentary as a medical expert? And we need to be cognizant of this because questions, concerns and commentary all have their own connotations. And when we look at the video, we actually see that the doctor sounds more sincere than the article has actually purported. And...
5: Um. One of the major shortcomings of this vaccine rollout is that people are not informed of um, the, the potential risks of this. They're also not informed that there are other effective
2: treatments. Is there a sense of censorship in the article? Definitely,
0: I think this is best highlighted by the hospital's response towards doctors' comments on the vaccine danger. So the doctor raises serious claims on the vaccine in terms of the ethical nature of the companies that make the vaccine and comments on the long-term effects that it might have on patients. What the hospital does in its response is actually trying to isolate her as if her comments are not important. The quote reads that the controversial claims were met with dismay. Now this pits one individual against the hospital, first of all, and the World Health Organization and the Department of Health. It equates to the othering of the comments made by the doctor. By using the word controversial, we get the idea that the utterances made by the doctor could not be held as true. And the use of the word claims makes it seem as if what she's speaking about is actually unfounded. The managing director, being a person of authority, found that the comments made by the doctor were profoundly disappointing and it left him in disbelief.
2: Now, I talk us through a little bit the images that are found in this article. Is there any impact made by them? If you look at the image that was used in the article, it's
0: a screen grab that is unclear and fuzzy. This gives rise to the idea that what the doctor was speaking about is not noteworthy. My personal experience is that when I first viewed the photo I simply disregarded it and I was uninterested in it but upon a second glance I noticed the sophistication of the doctor You know here I speak of the fancy scarf that she's wearing the earrings and the setting that she finds herself in the background has a painting behind her and the sophistication of the doctor is better highlighted when you view the video It's a close-up shot where she's in an office space and there are
2: books and printers behind her. But this does not speak to the veracity of the claims that she's making though. The fact that she looks sophisticated.
0: It does not speak to the veracity but you can actually take her more seriously and you can hear that she sounds more sincere in the video.
2: Now please contrast the possible reading experiences for the ideal reader And the resistant reader.
0: So the ideal reader in this article would be someone that is pro-vaccine. And the type of person would quickly jump to the conclusion that this doctor does not know what she is talking about. The reader would go on to scoff at what the doctor says because of the conspiratorial line that the journalist writes from and dismiss the sentiments of the doctor. Furthermore, I think the ideal reader would anticipate disciplinary action against the doctor however would be disappointed that no action or repercussions have been mentioned in the article. Onto the resistant reader. This is someone who would be on the fence about taking the vaccine. Uh, More commonly nowadays these people are referred to or labelled as anti-vaxxers. This reader might be curious and happy to have come across a professional opinion highlighting his or her grievances. Furthermore, this type of reader would be fearful of what would happen to the doctor going against the pro-vaccine narrative.
6: The conclusion, post analysis and commentary with Malusi
2: Nala. In concluding, I'd like us to consider three things that are apparent to me, at least, when it comes to this entire matter relating to the treatment of COVID-19. First of all, let us not pretend as though COVID-19 is some hoax. It is real and it is affecting many, many, many communities across the world. So whether you are vaccinating or remaining unvaccinated, please take precautions. It cannot be that if you are an anti-vax, therefore you do not have the responsibility to take care of yourself and those around you. All precautions, at least as we understand them today, should be maintained until there is greater evidence suggesting otherwise. The second thing is that we need to familiarize ourselves with all aspects relating to the treatment of COVID-19. This matter is not happening devoid of a political and economic context. These continue to be factors and as much as people want to tell you that we should prioritize public health as noble as it sounds please do not be fooled into saying that public health trumps politics because even the corporations that are producing these vaccines or treatment relating to COVID-19 are politicizing this matter they work hand in hand with governments why? because there's money to be made so Familiarise yourself with the politics, who is doing what and why and how will it affect you and your loved ones. Then you can make an informed decision about which vaccine to take should you wanting to be taking a vaccine or why you're not taking a vaccine. Lastly, I'd like to emphasise that our freedoms are sacrosanct. They should be protected at all times. It cannot be that all of a sudden, we can make a decision that, oh no, person A is not worthy of having freedoms because person B, C, D's freedoms are far superior in this particular context. We need to find a balance and we need to find a way to accommodate all people. Not just because one group of people have the means and the power to pursue their agenda and therefore now their rights trump everybody else's rights. It doesn't work that way. That's not how human rights should be understood and I'm sure based on all the literature that we have about human rights, it isn't how it is explained. Despite people's references to constitutions and the so-called public good, because since when on this earth, can liberals, especially them, when can they now proclaim to be people that care about the greater good? The very same capitalists that have exploited the world for centuries upon centuries can now righteously claim that you should do it for the good of the people. Which people? Rather be frank, tell us, do it for my economy. You know, at least we can give you props for that. But people who have never, ever cared whether someone like me, my friends, my family members, the people that I live with in my community have bred now can stand up and tell me by pointing a finger at me that I should be the one to show care to the greater community. Please. Thank you for joining us for the second edition of the second season of the People's Podcast, TTBIA, the thinking behind it all. Remember that you can join the conversation by following us on Twitter at TTBIA underscore is our handle, or you can look for us on Facebook, the thinking behind it all. Also, please consider making a small donation to assist us in the production of the podcast. To do this, you can go to PayPal. Our username is at TTBIA. Also, please spread the word by telling your friends, family, Did you vaccinate? Hey man, shut up! Colleagues and lovers about the podcast. Till next time. Your silence is concession. Sharp, sharp, sharp.